All righty. I want you to take your Bibles, if you've got them tonight, and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, 66th book in the Bible, final book of the Bible. Revelation. Tonight we want to talk about prophecy. Uh, has anybody ever heard of that? Are you familiar with what prophecy is? I don't talk much about it. I'm a student of it. I love it, and I, but I don't talk much about it in church. But the Spirit of God is just constantly telling me that as we move into the days we're in, it's going to become more and more important. And you hear this across the land today, that the Spirit of God is wanting to speak through prophecy to His people because of what's coming in the earth. And I, I just love it. I, I, you see the heart of God revealed in prophecy through His Word and by His Spirit. Tonight, I just want to look at just an overview of prophecy. But uh, I want you to see what it is. Uh, and, and there's no greater picture of what prophecy is than in the book of Revelation as it begins. Chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says this. The revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what the word revelation means? You can't learn it in college. You can't find it through your own intelligence. You can't find it naturally. Only God can show it to you. Revelation, the root word is reveal. It means God's going to show you something that you can't learn any other way. And the Bible said the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show who? His servants. His servants, things which what, what must shortly, a better word is quickly, take place. Which things must take place. He sent and he signified it or signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, the testimony of Jesus to all things he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this What? prophecy. So there's what prophecy is. It is when God shows a certain group of people, and these are the only people that can see it, his servants, things to come. It's when God chooses to show certain people things that are coming. You say, well, I mean, right there's the book. Any professor can buy it and read it. He can't see it because only the Holy Spirit can open the eyes of your heart to see it. I mean, you can read the book, but it won't mean anything to you. But the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and we not only read the print, the Spirit of God touches our hearts and we say, now I know what's going on in the earth. Now I know what God's up to in the earth. Now I know what's coming in the earth. Prophecy is when God shows you the future. It's when He tells you what's coming in the future. Let me, let me mention a couple things about it. Number one, it's a lot of people shy away from it. Why is it in the Bible? If it wasn't in the Bible, He wouldn't want you to know it. He goes on to say, blessed are those who read the words of prophecy. There's a special blessing on people who read it. Not only that, this, this whole Bible, one third of it is completely devoted to prophecy. One third of the whole Bible is nothing but prophecy. And it's all through the scripture. The second thing I want you to know, and I want you to think about this. God Almighty knows the future. How many of you would agree with that? That's why he can write things like Revelation. Do you really believe God knows the future? Who else knows it? Nobody on, in the universe. God, I don't even know what tomorrow holds. He knows the complete end. He knows all of the future completely. I can't understand how that, but I know that he does. And the third thing is, he wants to show it to you. What did he say? He desires to show his servants things to come. He wants by his spirit to take this book and to show you the future. Now, prophecy is for two reasons. The scripture tells us it's for two reasons. Number one, it's for encouragement. 
A prophetic word is to encourage you when you're going through things. For instance, Luke chapter 24 says this, when you see these horrible things begin to happen and men having heart attacks over the things coming in the earth, because you know what I'm doing, you lift up your head and rejoice because your redemption draweth nigh. What do you say right there? What's prophecy for? When everybody else is having a heart attack and then the actual word is men's hearts failing them for fear of things coming in the earth. When you see these horrible things happen and everybody else is having a heart attack, you lift up your head and rejoice because you know what's really going on because yes, God's shown it to you. So prophecy is for encouragement. Uh, sometimes there are personal prophetic words. You're going through a hard place, a hard situation in life and a prophetic word will always come along and, it, and when you hear it, you'll go, praise God. It's for encouragement. The second purpose of prophecy is not just for encouragement with what we're going through, but it's for wisdom. If God shows you the future, you'll know what to do. It's wisdom for the future. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, Noah being warned by God of things that hadn't happened yet, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his house. I believe that God knew a flood was coming on the earth. Who'd he tell? Noah being warned by God of things not yet seen. Well, when Noah had inside information from God about the future, what'd he do? He made preparations for it. He prepared an ark for the saving of his house. That's why we need prophecy so much today so that we'll have wisdom to know what to do. Uh, the Bible speaks about a group of people in Israel called the sons of Issachar. And it said the sons of Issachar understood the times they lived in that they might know what to do. Prophecy helps us to understand the times we're living in. Why? So we'll know what to do. And you can have the prophecies for wisdom, to know what to do for your family, yourself, what's going on in the earth. And it's a wonderful gift of God. Now, but listen, let me tell you what the purpose of prophecy is. Everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got their perspective. I'm tired of hearing it. You are too. I'm tired of hearing what everybody thinks about everything. Listen to what I'm fixing to say according to this book. God Almighty has a perspective. Prophecy is to see things from God's perspective. Because even the, even the sharpest people in the world can't know what's going on unless they have God's perspective. The purpose of prophecy is to see life on this planet through God's eyes, through his perspective. How many of you believe his perspective might lift us up a little bit and we would see things differently? Let me give you three scriptures that are involved in that. I'll just quote them to you. It won't take time. First Peter chapter one says this. I'm going I'm to put it in the paraphrased edition. Every great thing man has ever done is like a flower. Beautiful today, gone in a week. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now we need to have that eternal perspective that everything everybody is so impressed with today, the kingdoms of this world, entertainment, business, even religion, it is so impressive and it calls it the glory of man. Everything that's so impressive is like a flower, beautiful today, you won't be able to find it two weeks from now or in the future. But what's the only thing that'll last for eternity? The word of the Lord, and it doesn't just mean the Bible, what he says will happen will last forever. How many of you want to just throw your life away on something that's going to be gone in two weeks? Not I. I want to do what Jesus said when he said, labor for that which endures to eternity. And don't waste your life on that which is going to perish. Two great encouraging passages on prophecy. One is Psalm 37 where the Bible said this. And this is one we need to hear in this day. Do not fret because of evildoers. 
Do not be upset. Don't get angry. It only causes harm. I saw wickedness spreading itself like a native green tree. But then I saw it from God's perspective and before long, it was no more. I couldn't even find it. But the kingdom and the earth is inherited by those who fear him. What does that tell me and you right there? In a day when evil's just going crazy, don't get upset. It only does harm because in a few days it will be no more and those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. So it gives us an eternal perspective on what's going on around. One of the great ones is in Psalm 73 that says this. I'm just going to cut to the short. And it said, I was so grieved and so upset when I saw how that evil men are flourishing so well. There's no fear of God before their eyes and those who love him are suffering. He said, I almost lost heart. And I said, what good does it do to serve God? Some people are thinking like that today. Listen, to the rest of it. But then I went into the temple of God. And I saw the earth from God's perspective. And I realized their days are numbered. Their hearts are as fat as grease and they will be destroyed. And the Lord will receive me unto himself and hold on to that which I've committed unto him. See what happened? People get discouraged if all they can see is what they see. But if you get God's perspective, you're going to go, all right. Hallelujah. I see it. Prophecy is God's perspective on what's going on in the earth and into the future. And uh, dear ones, we'll just view life differently. If we have an understanding of prophecy, you'll just view life differently on the planet. And I want us to look. I love this. There is one great overarching prophecy in the Bible that covers all of time. And I want us to look in the scripture tonight. It's in the book of Daniel. Of course, Daniel was a prophet and it's a prophetic book. The book of Daniel chapter two. I love this prophecy. I, I, just, I, I just get so excited. I'm, I'm sort of a prophecy freak. Um. Daniel chapter two is where the scripture gives us the great, it's, and the, here's the craziest thing about it. God gives the great world prophecy to a wicked ruler. I believe God can use a wicked man to rule a country. Don't read anything into that. I'm just telling you, he can do it. God comes to the evil king of Babylon and gives him the great prophecy of world history. You say, well, why would he do that? Ask him when you get there. Let me remind you, we need to be reminded of this often. His ways are above our ways. He doesn't think like we think. But uh, the, some Hebrew boys had been carried into captivity. The four of them, Daniel, uh, and then the three Hebrew boys are in captivity. The king has a dream, a very vivid dream, and it upsets him. And he calls in all his wise men and he says, I've had a dream and I want you to interpret what it means. And they said, tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. He said, you're playing games. You tell me what the dream was and then you interpret it. I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. Oh, they choked on that because they'd been who doing the king all along. A bunch of goofballs. So the king commanded every, they were called wise men in that day, every wise man to be put to death. And Daniel asked Jarek, said, what's the urge? He said, the king wants every wise man put to death because they couldn't interpret the dream. Daniel went in before the king and said, if you'll give me time, I'll ask God and he'll tell you what the dream is. So the king gave him time and Daniel went back with his four friends and they prayed and they said, would you please, you who reveal secrets, would you show us what the dream is? And God revealed it to him. And he goes back into the king's chamber and he said to him, I have a dream. I have the answer, but I didn't get it. God gave it to him. He always gave credit to the Lord. And he said, what is it? And he said, here's the dream you had. 
you were laying in your bed and these thoughts came into your head. I'm just going to summarize it. And he said, you saw a huge statue standing and this giant statue filled and it was glorious. It was tremendous. And I think the word is awesome in the new King James. He said, you saw this statue and the statue's head was made out of gold. Its arms and chest were made out of silver. Its belly and thighs were made out of bronze. Its legs were made out of iron and its feet were part iron mixed with part clay. And he said, this is the statue you saw. And you saw that great statue. And then you saw a small stone cut out of the mountain without hands. And that stone hit that statue on its feet and it destroyed it. And the statue collapsed and became like dust. And the wind blew it away and you couldn't even find the dust from the statue. And then that stone that hit the statue grew into an entire mountain that filled the whole earth and it rained forevermore. He said, this is the interpretation of the king. And the king just swallowed his tongue and said, that's exactly what I saw in my dream. And he said, here's the interpretation of it. He said, the great statue in the form of a man that you saw represent all the kingdom of humanity through the ages. He said, you're the head of gold. And he said, it represents all the glory of man throughout the ages. And uh, men have done a lot of great things throughout history. We've built kingdoms, we've built nations, we've built yada, yada. But that statue is a picture of everything men do in the earth. The stone that is cut out without hands is a picture of another kingdom. What does it mean without hand? No man will be behind this. This is not human. This stone is cut out without hands and this stone will hit this statue. It'll be destroyed. The dust will be blown away by the wind and you won't even be able to find a trace of what people are cheering about now. It'll be completely gone. And then that little stone will begin to grow. It'll fill the whole earth and it will rule for all of eternity. Of course, the interpretation is that the statue is all the kingdoms through world history. And all of a sudden, one day, God Almighty is going to send a kingdom into the earth. And this little kingdom will crush all the kingdoms of the world. It will grow and it will fill the earth and it will rule forever. That is the prophecy of the overarch of world history. And uh, so it's a tremendous picture that, and again, why he gave it to a wicked king, I have no idea. I want you to look with me at uh, this, this great kingdom. How many of you realize what day that kingdom came up? Well, let's just turn and look at it. Turn with me to Mark chapter one. Now it's called a kingdom. All the kingdoms of this world, of course that represented a political military kingdom. But all through history, people have done things, they've built nations, they've had all this stuff. And then on a set day, this little stone came into the earth. We're fixing to celebrate that stone coming into the earth. And in Revelation, excuse me, Mark chapter one, I want you to look at what the scripture says. Mark chapter one, verse 14. Mark 1, 14. After John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom of God. And Jesus said, verse 15, the, king, the time is fulfilled. What does it mean the time is fulfilled? The day has come on God's calendar for something to happen. Do you understand that the Bible teaches God has a calendar and there are dates on that calendar and no man can control that calendar. No man even knows the calendar we're going to see in a minute. But Jesus said, the date on God's calendar has been checked for this kingdom to now come back into the earth. And he said, the that's what it means. The time is fulfilled. It's the right time. The time is fulfilled. He said, repent because what? And believe in the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. That was the rock that was cut out that it has now come into the earth. And he said, the kingdom of God has come into the earth. You notice how it came in without fanfare. So much of what he does is hidden. 
And it came into the earth without fanfare. That kingdom appeared on a set day. And of course it was Jesus coming into the earth. And at the time they didn't recognize it. Now, obviously prophecy teaches us this. One day the kingdom of God will destroy all the kingdoms of this earth and rule forever. We know that. We've got to define the kingdom of God. Do not confuse the kingdom of God with church or religion. I'm going to give you a simple definition of the kingdom of God from scripture. And it's, just, it's just so simple, but it's so complete. And here it is. It is the activity of God in the earth by his spirit. It's not just going to church. It's not being religious. It's not being a good person. It's not even teaching the Bible. It is the activity of God in the earth by his spirit. The kingdom of God is what God is doing in the earth by his spirit. Of course, Jesus is the kingdom of God. When he stepped down, he said, the kingdom is here. He said, I've come, I'm anointed. I've come to bring the kingdom of God in the earth and the activity of God in the earth. And he began with that activity in the earth. Now, <clears throat> dear ones, listen, God is working in the earth today. We're in, we're in that place right now where there are two kingdoms in the earth. You have the kingdom of hum humanity and darkness, and then you have the kingdom of God side by side in the earth right now. Both are in the earth. Matter of fact, Colossians 1 says this, when we get born again, if we walk with him, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. We've been brought out of the activity of darkness into the hand of God and the activity of God in the earth. And the scripture said, where's the kingdom? Listen, the kingdom, Jesus said the kingdom's not with observation. Where's the kingdom of God operating if I let it? In my heart. If the kingdom of God comes in my heart, what's going to happen? Am I going to become weird and religious? Listen to what the Bible said. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the foundational verse of the kingdom of God in this earth. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not about external things, eating and drinking. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in his heart right here. And righteousness, peace, and joy begin to rule in my life. How will you know if the kingdom's inside of me? You'll know it by the fruit of the Spirit, which is the evidence of the kingdom of God. I'm going to start loving people the way Jesus loves them. And it's not me doing it. The love of God has been put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who came into us. That's God working in the earth. That's Romans 5, 5. The joy of Jesus is going to start growing inside of me. When the, when the culture's getting darker and darker and people are getting worriedier and wordier, worriedier, more worried, nervouser and nervouser, depresseder and depresseder, I'm going to get exciteder and exciteder. <laughs> These things I have written to you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full and the peace of God's going to rule in his heart. When everybody else is freaking out over what's going on in the earth, I'm going to sleep during the storm. That is the rule of God in the earth. That's God ruling in life. It's not that I become religious. It's that something happens in his heart. Now, the kingdom of God can come in a home. It should come in our homes. It doesn't come visibly. It comes in our homes. It's when people begin to treat people differently in a home. And the love of God rules in that home and there's forgiveness in that home and there's joy in that home and there's, there's compassion in that home. That's the kingdom ruling in that home right now. What did Jesus, you say, well, Brother Ron, I thought the kingdom was to come. We're to pray, thy kingdom come and one day it will. What did Jesus say in Mark 1? The kingdom is at hand. It's available to you now. God can come into your life right now and work by his spirit now, what do we know about the wind? The Bible called the Holy Spirit the wind. What do we know about it? You can't, have you ever seen the wind? No, you haven't, but you've seen the effects of it. I went out again today and the chairs in our fire pit area were laid over on their backs. Well, a dog didn't do it. He can't jump that high. 
I didn't do it. I want them to sit upright. The wind did it. We said, you see, you can't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. The Bible said the Holy Spirit is like the wind who blows where he wishes. You can't see him, but you can tell where he's been. And you go into a home and there's joy in that home and there's hope in that home and there's love in that home and there's mercy in that home. I didn't see God come through there, but he's been through there. That's the kingdom coming in the earth. The kingdom of God can come in a church. Should. If there's any place on this earth, the kingdom of God should come. It should be in a church. It can come in a church. It's not when people begin to do things. It's when God begins to work by his spirit. That, listen, that's that small stone coming. The kingdom of God can rule in a land. In my lifetime, there's only been one country where the kingdom of God has ruled pretty much strong, and that's South Korea. And now that's diminishing, not like it was at one time. I think it ruled in this nation about 200 years ago in our foundational days. It's when God governs in the affairs of men, as, D as Daniel chapter 4 says. So the kingdom's in the earth today. God's working in the earth today. And these two kingdoms are side by side that he prophesied out coming in the earth today. Side by side. Now, <clears throat> but listen, for a time, it's mostly unnoticed. Now, listen to what I'm fixing to say here. We're living in that era, that time in history when two kingdoms are operating at the same time in the earth. And a lot of people think that, boy, evil's getting worse and worse and the church is dying and God ain't doing nothing. Let's look at prophecy. Matthew chapter 13. Look with me at what Jesus said. Just a few pages back, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 is a prophetic word from Jesus. And for time's sake, I'll summarize it and then we'll look at the main verse. Jesus said, what's going on in the earth is like this. It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field, wheat. But when the wheat began to grow, there were tares in the field. Now a tare is not, it's not wheat, it's a weed. But let me tell you something about a tare. A tare looks just like wheat, but it's junk. And if I were to lay a shock of wheat in your hand and a shock of tare in your hand, you couldn't tell the difference. There's only one way to know the difference. You have to open, the, you have to open, open them up. And inside the wheat will be the germ that we get bread from. Inside the tare, there's nothing there. They look just alike, but you have to look into the heart of one to see bread in there. Then you see the picture here? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is sown, God's sown in the earth. He's sown wheat in the earth, but there are tares. And his servant said to him, master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Why are there tares in their field? He said, an enemy has done this. And they said to him, do you want us to go pull the tares up? He said, no, let both grow together for a period of time. And in the day of the harvest, the angels will come and they will separate the wheat from the tares. And they said to him, what does this parable mean? He said, the, the field is the earth. The wheat is those, are those planted by the son of God. Tares are the sons of the devil. Now, we have a lot of trouble today believing that there are any sons of the devil in the earth. There's nothing in between. According to this book, there's nothing in between. You're either a child of the living God or you're a son of the devil. There's nothing in between. You say, I'm a good person, but then you're a good child of the devil. It's not about good or bad. It's about birth. You have to open them up and see what's inside. Then as the children of God have the spirit of God inside of them, the sons of the devil do not have the spirit of God. Romans chapter eight says, and, and listen to what they said. Do you want us to get the sons of darkness out of the kingdom? Jesus said, no, leave them right there where they're at. Now, don't you look at the prophecy with me of Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. The Bible said this. 
verse 20, let's verse 28. An enemy has done this. The servant said, do you want us to go and gather them up? He said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you uproot the wheat. Verse 30, here's one of the key verses right now. Let both grow together until the harvest at the time of the harvest. Is there a time set for harvest? What did Jesus prophesy in verse 30 would happen in the earth until that set day? Did he say that the sons of darkness would what? Grow. Darkness is going to get bigger and bigger in the earth. <laughs> Amen, brother Brian, darkness is taking over the earth. No, it's not. What else did he say would grow until the day of the harvest? Let both grow together. We're living in the day where darkness is growing in the earth. Jesus is allowing it. Did you not see where only by his permission darkness could grow in the earth? He said, let it happen. Tell me what else is growing in the earth before the day set. The sons of the kingdom are going to grow until the day set and the kingdom of God is going to grow. A lot of people think that the church and God's people are just going to go down to eggs sucking nothing just a few more weary days and drag us off to mat at the last minute. Where'd you get that from? You can get it in here. You must be listening to gospel music again. You can get it in here. What's the prophecy in Acts chapter two? In the what? In the latter days. I will pour out my spirit and my sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll see visions, they'll dream dreams and people will call on the name of the Lord. Jesus said the kingdom is gonna grow in the latter days. The glory of God's coming in the earth. In other words, two kingdoms side by side, but not, this is not gonna be whopping on this one and he's gonna jerk them out at the last minute. Both will grow together. That's the prophecy that both will grow together in that day. As a matter of fact, let me quote to you. I, I believe this is the great prophecy of our age right now. Isaiah, let's just look at it. Isaiah chapter 60. You know, Isaiah was, it was called the foundational prophet. And this is a picture of what's going on in the earth right now. I just love this. Isaiah chapter 60. Now, why... I, there's this thing in the earth where Christians, believers are so discouraged and defeated about what's going on in the earth. Why? It's because we don't know prophecy. We're looking at things from our perspective instead of his. And this is the passage that applies to the latter days. And I want you to tell me what it says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse one, arise and whine. Why are Christians whining today? What does it say? Arise and do what? Tell me what we're supposed to do until the latter day. Shine. Your light has come, the glory of the Lord's upon you. And watch verse two, here's a prophecy. Darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people. That's a prophecy. And it's happening in the earth today. And darkness is covering the earth. Listen, if you had tried to do in this nation, when I was a boy, what they're doing in this nation, everybody would run you out of town. I mean, what we're cheering for today was embarrassing when I was young. And that's happened fast. You know why? You say, what's going on? Darkness is covering the earth. Listen to this. Deep darkness to people. It's nutty. But watch what the scripture says. But the Lord, verse two, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness to people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. What is that? And listen to this. The Gentiles will come to your light. And leaders will run to the brightness of your rise. What's the Bible tell you there? Darkness is going to flourish in the earth. Light is going to flourish in the earth too. And the people that walk with God, he's going to put his glory, his spirit on them. And they're going to shine like they've never shown before, before the second coming of Jesus. And people are going to come to them and say, this, this world is going nuts. Why are you shining? Gentiles will come to you and say, what is it you've got that nobody else has got? 
What is this spirit that rests on you that other people don't have? This is the prophecy of the latter days. Do you believe God's pouring out his spirit on all people? Ask me if three years ago I thought I'd see the day when Justin Boober <laughs> is sending out prayer works teaching people how to pray daily. Ask me if I'd see the day where Kanye is leading the fastest growing worship movement in the earth right now. I still can't take the music, but I'm telling you, that man's been with God. There's some, even Kim has decided to start wearing britches in public again. It's crazy what's going on. That, that's not, listen, God is working in that right there. You say, well, that's not who I'd have chosen. You're not God. Don't you understand he picks the weirdest of the bunch? I'm telling you, God's pouring his spirit out in the earth. What the prophecies say, darkness is going to skyrocket. Light's going to take off. Two kingdoms growing side by side in the earth. And he's behind one and darkness is behind the other. It's a glorious day. Listen, I would encourage you, get, go on your, your thing there. Whatever you call your thing. I don't know about this. Go on your thing. Listen to Kanye and listen to his new album out there. It won't defile you. You'll be all right. I'm telling you, that's the spirit of God. Well, you say, well, he said a dirty word in there. How long's the man known Jesus? Give him a little bit of time to get there, would you? Show him some mercy. I'm still cussing. I've been saved 40 years. All right. So this is that period where both grow together. Do you understand the kingdom of the, the kingdoms of this world? But dear ones, the kingdom of God has already come into this earth and God's working in this earth right now by his spirit where he's invited. He only works where he's invited. What does prophecy tell us is coming down the road? There'll come a day when he don't work by invitation. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He's going to rule by force one day. And one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But today it's only voluntarily. He stands at the door and knocks today. There'll come a day when he'll come with a rod, not a knock. But today both kingdoms rule together. But let me make an announcement from prophecy. There is a date set on God's calendar we're quickly moving toward. I want you to see the date in Matthew chapter 24. If you're familiar with Matthew 24, this is the great prophetic chapter where Jesus spoke. Matthew 24. Now I had a fellow ask me one time, and it's a great question, and I'm not being cute, but I want you to listen to the answer. A fellow asked me, how can a truck driver in Hall River, North Carolina, know things that world leaders can't know? That's a great question, isn't it? Because normally we don't listen to truck drivers when it comes to these issues. We look to the experts. Well, how can a truck driver in Hall River know something that world leaders can't know? The answer is in the Bible. I'm going to quote a few verses. Matthew chapter 10 says this, Father, I praise you and thank you that you have hidden your truth from the wise and learned in their eyes, but you have revealed your truth to the humble who seek you. You don't find God's truth because you're smart. You find it because you humble yourself and seek him. And he reveals himself to certain people. Well, this is one of those passages. I've had people say, are you so, do you think you know when, how can you know this kind of stuff? Well, number one, buy a Bible. Buy, do you have any idea what we're holding in our hands? This is the revelation of the ages. This is the only place on the earth where you can find truth. Ultimate truth. It's the only place you can find future history. We have forgotten what we hold in our hands when we hold this book. But the Bible said this. Well, let's, let's, let's just have some fun here. Matthew 24, 32 says this. Learn this parable. Darren, if Jesus tells me to learn something, we should 
We should learn it. All right, learn from this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has become tender and puts forth leaves, you know summer is near. All right, how many of you got the IQ? You can swing that. How many of you got enough sense you could do that? All right, you go out one day and I have an apple orchard and I begin to see little tiny green buds sticking out. I would know summer's coming. How many of you can know that when the trees start shooting out leaves, summer's getting near? Can you know that? You say, what's this got to do with prophecy? Read the next verse. All right. So also when you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. Jesus said, if you can look at a tree and you can see the leaves start to break out, you should have enough sense to take your Bible with the Holy Spirit and read it and know here's where we are on God's calendar. You should know summer is near. We're getting close to it. And then Jesus said, and then of course this is the passage where he gives so much about this. But I want you to look at one verse with me here in Matthew uh, 24, verse 36. Let's look at two. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, my father only. Who is the only person that knows the day Jesus will come back to this earth? Who is it? Not even the angels. Who's the only one that knows it? But here's my, you say, well, nobody knows the day. Here's my point. Reading that verse, what do you see? There is an obvious day set. There is an obvious day on God's calendar when Jesus will come back to this earth. And then, but you say, well, you can't name the date. But what did Jesus say about the fig tree? You should be able to pinpoint it pretty close. You should be able to know things are ramping up right here. And then he does give us a little hint in verse 37. As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of son of man be. That tells me and you a whole lot right there. Now, I want to say this as lovingly as I can say it. We can, we can disagree and still be brethren. We can disagree on what the Bible says and still be brethren. We can't disagree on the foundational truths. Jesus is Lord. There's no other way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You must be born again. These things, we can't, all, we can't waver on these things. These are what we call the fundamentals of faith. We can't waver on those. But we can disagree on prophecy and still love each other. Still drink coffee not write dirty things about each other on that machine. I want to say this, and this is just what I see in scripture and I could take hours to show you. Relax, I won't. A lot of my friends are saying that we're going to build a greater and greater and greater. The church is going to get greater and greater and we're going to build a greater and greater on earth and we're going to have the earth perfected before Jesus comes back. That, that's a message that's breaking loose in the land today that we're going to build a great earth before Jesus comes back. No, there's going to be a great church in the earth before Jesus comes back. But what did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah. All you got to do is buy you a Bible, turn to Genesis, look up and see what it was like in the days of Noah. That's what it'll be like when Jesus comes back. And in the days of Noah, it was not glorious. That's why the earth was destroyed. You say, you mean it's going to be bad? You call Noah. Just, just call Noah. He'll work it out with you. You'll figure it out. Now, there's a date set on God's calendar. Let's look at it. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter one. This is a prophecy that's mentioned 270 times just in the New Testament. It's alluded to 270 times. You know, you ever told your children something twice? If God Almighty puts something in the New Testament 270 times, I, I'm beginning to believe it's going to happen. All right, here's the great prophecy. Acts chapter one, Jesus walked the earth. He was crucified for my sins and your sins, but praise God, he rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. The crucifixion wasn't enough. He had to rise out of the grave. 
for our salvation. He walked on this earth for 40 days. Then what did he do? It's in Acts chapter one, verse nine. When Jesus had spoken these things, he promised the Holy Spirit. While they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. You got it? He promises the spirit of God's coming in and then the spirit of God will carry you. And then all of a sudden they're watching. He just goes straight up in the sky. He just goes straight up into glory and they're watching him. And then the Bible, and while they looked steadfastly into heaven, they're just staring. As he went up, two men stood by them in white apparel who were what? Angels. Watch what they said. Watch what the Bible said. You men of Galilee, why are you stand gazing and why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. What does the Bible say? Christmas is when we celebrate the first coming of Jesus. What did that angel say? He's coming back. The way you saw him go up, he'll come back down. And the Bible said this, that he won't slip into the earth in a barn in Bethlehem unnoticed. Every eye shall see him. He will split the eastern sky and they will see him. And the Bible said in Revelation 1-7, Jesus Christ will come back and all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. And the wealthy men will beg for the mountains to fall on them. Now listen to this. The wealthy and the rulers of the earth will beg for the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of he who sits on the throne. What must his face look like when he comes back that the power brokers of this earth are begging to hide from him? He came as a humble lamb, just an average man. He's coming back the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah and he will rule forever. Don't expect gentle Jesus to show back up the second time. Rulers don't hide from gentle Jesus. They hide from the mighty son of God when he comes back to the earth. So the Bible tells you and I is coming. Now, a lot of people, let me tell you where we mess up in our thinking because we don't know prophecy. We say, well, that's the end of the age. No, it's not. It's the start. Let me make an announcement. What we're going through right now, this is not the big party. Now, I don't do a few more weary years. I'm having the time of my life, but I got news for you. When Jesus comes back, it's not over. That's the beginning of the, it's called the times of restoration. I want you to look at it with me. Turn the page, Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. You've got to understand what God is doing in the earth to understand the restoration. You know, restoration means fix it like it used to be. All right, restoration, Acts chapter three. I love this passage. Talks about Jesus coming, prophecy fulfilled. Verse 19, Acts three nineteen. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Why do we repent and come to Jesus? What does it mean times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord? Now we walk in this earth and it, it can be difficult in this earth. We are strangers. We are pilgrims in a foreign land. I mean, you fly in the U.S. flag in China right now, if you're walking in this earth, you've got the banner of the cross over you and you're in a foreign land. That's why we need the Holy Spirit so that times of refreshing can come to us from the presence of the Lord. And the Spirit of God's given to refresh us and strengthen us and, and bless us. And we repent so we can experience the Holy Spirit in this life. But watch what's coming so that he might send Jesus who is preached to you. Verse 21, whom heaven must receive. When did heaven receive him? back in the first chapter when he went up there until the times of restoration of all things. When is, what is Jesus coming back for? To restore all things. Let's read the rest of it. 
which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. What's this all about? What's the whole earth about? What's the crucifixion about? What's Christmas all about? It is pointing to a day called restoration when God will restore everything when Jesus comes back to this earth. This, you say, well, are you one of them believers? You're just, you're just looking way out yonder. I live in the nasty here and now, right now. But I'm gonna tell you something. Just as we have one of our staff members here who's in a foreign country on military duty right now, he's got a few more months. He's doing his job right there, but guess what's on his mind? Getting back to his home and getting back to his wife and getting back to his children. Then as I'm living in this life and I'm loving it and I'm having all the effect I can, but I promise you my eyes on the sky when Jesus shows up again, I'm ready for the big part. I'm having a blast now, but I'm looking forward to what we call the second coming of Jesus, which is our blessed hope that we live for. Now, let me go back. There's two kingdoms right now. There will come a day. Do you remember when that little stone hits that statue and does what? Crushes it. Everything going on, on this planet will be crushed at the second coming of Jesus. Everything that exalts, the Bible said, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God will be destroyed by the second coming of Jesus. And let me let you in a little something here. They know it. They know it. You know how I know they know it? They talk about it in the Bible. We won't look at it, but let me just quote to you a couple of places. Matthew chapter 8 is where Jesus got out of a boat and two demon-possessed men. If men are demon-possessed, who's inside of them? The spirit of hell's inside of them, demons in them. And they, Jesus came and the man ran and listen to what these demons said to Jesus. We know who you are, son of God. Did you come to torment us before the time even demons know there's a date set when Jesus is coming back to this earth and he's going to crush them and bind them and consign them to hell forever. And these demons got so scared when they saw Jesus, they were shocked. They said, we didn't think it was time for you to show up yet. Did you come to torment us before the set time? Even the powers of hell know that the second coming of Jesus, their lease is terminated. Your day's done. Revelation chapter 12, verse 12 says this, woe unto you inhabitants of the earth for Satan has come down to you filled with great wrath knowing he has but a short time left. <laughs> Do you understand what the Bible is saying here? Darkness ruled in the earth. There was a prophecy that a stone would come into the earth. Two kingdoms will grow side by side, but one day that stone will hit that statue and everything that doesn't honor God is going to be crushed and disappear. It's gone. That's prophecy. That tells you, that lets you see the planet from God's perspective. Let you see what's going on in the earth. And uh, I, I just love it. It's just such a wonderful thing to see what he's doing. I don't take just a minute, a little more prophecy here. Now, I want to show you what it's going to look like when he restores. Oh my goodness, let me help you here. I don't, I don't use the word heaven when we talk about eternity. I don't talk about people going to heaven because heaven's this prescribed, preconceived notion of some goofy place that plays elevator music and a little fat angel sits on a cloud playing a harp. That would be torment to me. That's not heaven. What does the Bible call it? Now, heaven, heaven is a good word for it, but the Bible calls it, we look for a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I've had people say, well, do you, do you think we'll fish in People wonder what we're going to do in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Who created the first earth? He who's going to create the second earth will create the second earth like the first earth. The only difference is man's not going to get to screw it up. There'll be trees. There'll be we know there'll be animals. I'm fixing to show it to you. You say, well, do you really think we'll fish in heaven? Why do you think they call it heaven? 
I want to show you what I'm there. We're going to, you don't sit on a cloud and play a harp. You have to have a business in eternity. You will rule over five cities, 10 cities. Just the restoration is to take this thing we screwed up and fix it. And it's a long-term deal. Somebody should write a song like when we've been there 10,000 years. Let's look at the restored prophecy. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter nine. I love this right here. Isaiah chapter nine, coming soon to a planet near you. In case you're wondering, there's a picture in the lobby of our Hall River campus of a man named Forrest. He's a buddy of mine, Forrest Oliver. And a lot of times when I walk through that lobby over, I'll just look and see it and I'll just say to myself, I wonder what he's doing today. You say, Brother Brian, Forrest died. No, he did not. Oh, he laid down his body, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to lay this body down one day, but this thing inside of me, the personality, the soul, the intellect, the spirit, it'll never die. It's going to get a new body and it's not going to sit on some goofy cloud all day playing a tiny harp. (laughs) We've got to start thinking prophetically from God's word. That's why you need to renew your mind according to the word. You... Somebody said, I understand you lost your mother. I didn't, you know, when somebody's that, they're not lost. You know where they're at, they're not lost. I never lost my mother. She just moved. She's alive today. She's busy today. She ain't smacking youngins like she did when she was young, but she's got something good to do. She's busy today. This great God of ours, do you think he's some kind of weirdo that puts you in a box and in a cocoon to play a harp for all of eternity? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. It's a new earth in which righteousness dwells, which we were created. Listen, we weren't made for this thing right here. This is a temporary assignment. We were made for the big show. We were created for the big show. That's why the Bible said he's put eternity in their hearts. Our heads argue with it, but there's something down here that says, show me the land. I love Isaiah chapter nine. Let's read it together. Isaiah chapter nine. Verse six, unto us a child is born. Isaiah nine, six, a son is given. You ever heard this? Christmas prophecy and the what the government will be on his shoulder. What's government mean? All authority and rulership. His name, of course, gives the five great names. And I love those names. Verse seven of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What Daniel chapter two say that rock will begin to grow and it will fill the earth and it will rule the earth and it will have no end. The rulership of Jesus in the earth will have no end for all of eternity. The Bible said, uh, upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order, establish it with judgment and justice from that time forth. Even, what's the word forever mean? Absolutely. The zeal, the passion of God will perform this. Now let me show you what it's going to look like inside this thing. Turn to Isaiah chapter two. Here's a few pictures of that, the prophecy we see coming. Isaiah chapter two, in case you're wondering what it's going to look like. Isaiah chapter two, this is the great prophecy of the future. Verse two, Isaiah two, two, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all hills. What Daniel chapter two say? That little stone will grow into a great mountain and fill the earth. All nations will flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Watch this. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. What's going to happen? We're going to live life the way it's supposed to be lived. 
out of Zion shall go forth the law. Verse four, he shall judge between the nations. He shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords. I love this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they study or learn war anymore. The Bible tells you and I this. The scripture said that we will learn in this year's will learn the ways of the Lord. What does it mean beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks? No more tanks, no more guns, no more stealth fighters, instruments of agriculture. We're going to build tractors, combines, because we're going to feed the earth. Did you think you was going to sit around on a cloud? I'm farming for all of eternity. That's my favorite thing. I love to do it. We're going to farm for all of eternity. And the Bible said that we will all come to the mountain of the Lord in this eternal place. And instead of stuff that destroys, there will be stuff that feeds and blesses. All right. I want to find a passage here. One last one here. I want us to, to turn you and I. And I've, I've, lost my, I've lost it. Somebody tell me where it's at here. When it talks about the lion will lay down with the lamb. Get out your phone and look it up for me real quick. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The child will play by the cobra's hold. The suckling child will reach his hand into the viper's den. This is such a picture of such restored order to the earth in the day of the Lord. I, I could let it go, but I want you to see this. And you, you got to see this because we talked about when the spirit, does anybody got it? Is where that scripture's at? I'm sorry. Thank you. I should have written that down. Okay, now you know your preacher doesn't know the Bible. Isaiah chapter 11. We could let this and go, but this is so great. I want you to look at what the Bible says is going to happen. Now, Isaiah 11 is a prophecy of the second coming of Jesus. And dear ones, this is what we were created for. Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who's it talking about? What does it mean out of the root of Jesse? He'll be a direct descendant of Jesse, which of course David was Jesse's son and Jesus is the direct descendant. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And then it talks about what he's going to do. And now let's look on down a little bit. And it begins to describe the earth when Jesus rules in the earth. And he'll rule, verse 6, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. What happens today if you put a wolf and a lamb in the same cage? Well, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, but the lamb will be in the wolf before long. And it describes this, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion. What's all that talking about? Do you understand that even the enmity between animals came as a result of the fall of man? Sin caused the animals to turn and eat each other. When the Spirit of God comes back into the earth, even the enmity between animals is going to be taken out. It's not going to be there. How many of you believe that some women are scared of snakes? Some women. Watch this. This is the time when the Spirit of the Lord comes to the earth. Let's read again. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, verse 6. The leopard lie down with the young goat, the calf, the young lion, and a little child shall lead them. What's going to happen in the kingdom? A four-year-old is going to walk up to a lion, grab him by the mane and say, nice kitty, and walk him around. The Bible said there will be no fear in the earth. There will be no enmity. A little child can grab a lion, take him wherever he wants to go. The lion and the lamb can lay down side by side. There's no enmity between them. Verse 7, the cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young ones will lie down together. This is strange. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Lions weren't supposed to eat meat to start with. Every animal was supposed to feed on the grass of the ground. But the fall of man came in and corrupted the earth. And then lions began to eat other animals. 
And we had carnivore came out of well then the second coming of Jesus is going to take all that away. Now this is fun right here, verse eight. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hold. A weaned child, that's a two-year-old, put his hand in the viper's den. Wouldn't that be funny? Your two-year-old goes out in the backyard, reaches down in the hole, pulls out a rattlesnake, cobra, rattlesnake, this part of the world, plays with it, comes in the house and says, look, mommy, can I keep it? Mama says, why, sure, sweetheart, take him in your bedroom. You say, All fear and enmity are going out of the earth when Jesus comes, but nothing. Well, listen, if, if he can cause the animals to get along together and children to play with cobras, don't you think people will be a little different the way they treat each other in the new earth? Are we going to see why here? This is where we've underestimated it. Verse nine, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. What does the Bible say? Nothing. After Jesus returns, this is what the Bible meant when it said the restoration of all things. He's going to bring this earth. Actually, it's a new earth. This one's going to be burned. You ever heard of global warming? That's 2 Peter chapter 2. The earth and the works in it will be burned. I knew global warming was coming before them scientists in France found out. I mean, God wrote about it 2,000 years ago. Now, let me, let me tell you something. I am a steward of the earth. I believe we should practice conservation methods. I'm a member of a conservation association. We should take care of this earth. This earth was designed to be used up and burned up. Scientists talk about if we're not careful 5,000 years from now, if you're not careful five years from now, you don't need to worry about North Carolina. You need to worry about your eternal destination. And listen, I'm telling you right now, there's a new earth coming. And the Bible teaches you and I that when it comes, nothing will harm. Now, here's the reason. Verse nine, this is the key verse. They won't hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Let me just add something here. We won't look at it, but in the book of Revelation, nobody will even be capable of thinking an unkind thought. Think, how many of you ever have to battle thoughts? I might as well admit it, everybody does, because the Bible, if we didn't have to battle them, the Bible wouldn't say cast them down. I battle crazy thoughts all the time, you could imagine. And we all do. The Bible said there's going to come a day when nobody will even be capable of thinking an unkind thought. For how long? Eternity. That's the restoration of all things prophesied by the mouth of all his holy prophets. Here's the reason. Verse nine. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The presence of God is going to come on the new earth so strong that no animal can be unkind to another animal. Nobody can hurt anything. Nobody can think an unkind thought. If you were to go to the deepest part of the sea, which is off the coast of Japan, so let's say you just go right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, halfway from North Carolina to England, and you just get dropped off and you go down about a mile, would, would you sort of sense that there's some water around you? Which way would you look to find the water? What does the Bible say? The presence of God is going to so cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Think about this. You ever been in a worship service, revival meeting, maybe a private prayer something where God drew so close to you and his presence was so sweet? Have you ever experienced that? The Holy Spirit came so sweet. Multiply that by 1,000 times for every moment for the rest of eternity. That's the earth. The presence of God is coming back to the earth. That's why they can't harm on my, You're not even capable of harming in the presence of God. That's the way he meant this earth to be. You know what that's called? The glory of the Lord. 
It's when the glory of God so comes on a place that you're filled with his love and life and hope and presence. You don't just sit there. We're active. Guess who's going to drive them tractors that we're going to turn tanks into? We're active, but we're going to live in the presence of God. We were never supposed to lose that. Guess what happened? All sinned and came short of the glory of God. We lost the glory because of sin. Jesus was born as a babe to bring it back. And the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Right, you see the picture? He created this earth perfect, put man and woman in it. And man, Adam and Eve were naked in the glory of God. Everything was perfect. Sin allowed another kingdom to come in this earth. Death to steal, kill, and destroy. It ruled in the earth until that stone showed up one day in a manger in Bethlehem and it's growing in the earth right now. They're growing together, but there's going to come a day. Jesus is coming back to this earth and this kingdom, this great statue will be crushed and Jesus will fill the earth and rule forevermore with those who choose to follow him. That's world history right there. That's the prophetic look of everything. Let me ask one last question. So what? So what does all that mean to me in North Carolina in 2019? What does that mean in my day? How does that affect me if all this stuff is true? That's just way down the road. Jesus tells you this is how it affects you. All right, let me say this before we quit. What does this mean to all me? <clears throat> I'm going to live my life with prophetic vision. I'm not going to, my life's not going to be shaped by the newspaper. What the computer says what I hear on the street corner. My life's going to be shaped by prophetic vision out of this word, which simply means this. I'm going to sleep through the storms. When I see evil spreading itself like a native green tree, I'm not going to freak out and need medication. I'm going to say, I knew this was coming. Doing as a student of prophecy, I never see anything happen in this nation. I can't point back to scripture and say, I knew that was coming. I want to make an announcement. Everything is rolling along just like he said it would. I can lay the Bible beside the newspaper and go, yep, this was written this morning. This was written 2,000 years ago. This one beat him to it. I'm, I'm just telling you, I could take you, I could show you everything happening on this planet was written in this book years ago. Everything's going just like the man really knows what he's talking about. Nothing's going, nothing is out. If what's happening wasn't happening, I'd be nervous. The Bible's true. That's why he gave us this book. So we'd say, when you see these things happen, well, you told me it's coming. We can live at peace in the midst of... The, matter of fact, it's sort of like when... I knew this was coming. And hope in his future. Listen, I've had people say, I'm nervous about what's going to happen in this nation. Why? This nation is going to go just the way it is written of it. But the kingdom of God shall have no end. Tie your life to something eternal. Right, let's look at one. Let's look at it. I mentioned it to you earlier. You're going to have a heart attack or you're going to rejoice. Which one's it going to be? Luke chapter 21. This is crazy. I love Luke chapter 21. Now, Luke 21 is another rendition of Matthew 24. It's where Jesus taught on the, as we draw close to the second coming, and he talked about the signs. And this is pretty wild right here where Jesus mentions what's coming back in the earth. In Luke chapter 21, let's look in about verse uh, 23, 24, 28, hut. He's just talking about all the things that are going on and talks about the times. Well, let's look in verse 25. 
There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. On the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Now he's mentioned everything's going to be coming up as it unfolds, and you can see it today. Verse 27, verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. What did Jesus say happened in that latter days? Times are going to get so tough that people's hearts are going to fail them the fear of what's coming on the earth. So that tells me it's going to get a little rough on the earth before Jesus comes back. I'm not being negative. I'm just telling you what's coming. Now watch what the Bible said in verse 27. Then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. All right, now that, that was to them. This is to me and you, verse 28. When you see when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because you know your redemption draws nigh. What the Bible say? When you see this earth unraveling, other people are freaking out and having heart attacks and you're going, glory to God, Gabriel is practicing. The fat lady, y'all know what that means, fat lady fixing to stand up. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. And I'm telling you, she's standing up. She's adjusting her girdle right now. It is getting time for her to blurt it out, buddy. Do you understand that? Do you, do you see the two attitudes? People nervous, afraid about what's going on. Others are so excited because he's right here. You see the difference? Well, this, I'm going to live my life with a prophetic view that there's nothing on this earth binding me here anyway. Now listen to me carefully. Here's another problem. I'm not going to live with a bunker mentality. I'm not going to get me some tuna fish and bottled water and go find me a hole in Montana. A lot of people singing, one of these days he'll come get us. He'll get back when he gets back, but I'm going to occupy the land until he gets back. Don't, don't get where you're just, if, if Jesus coming back is, the, is what rescues you, death is your rescue. Then was, I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus, but we're going to plow all the ground we can till he gets here. And we're going to prove you can live in these days with your head lifted. You know what it means your head lifted up? It don't mean stretch your neck like Barney did with that contraption in that closet that time. It meant rejoicing and praising God and celebrating. We're to be celebrating till the day Jesus gets back on this earth and ruling till Jesus gets back on this earth. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 18. When the Son of Man returns, will he find people of faith on the earth? He sure will. We're going to be hollering. No, just holler, hollering and screaming. Here's the message. If this is true, what you've heard tonight, how shall we then live? You need to live for eternal stuff and not temporary junk. I want to ask you a question. If you knew, how many of you would take your entire life savings and put it into an investment fund knowing, knowing two weeks from now it's going to collapse and bankrupt? How many of you do that? No fool would do that. Then why are we doing that with our lives? Why are we investing in our lives that stuff's going to fall apart one day? How many of you, if I had some insider trading information and I told you within the next year this will triple, that's where you ought to put your money at right there. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat that lasts for all of eternity. Don't waste your one life on something that's going to burn when Jesus gets back. Pour your life into eternal things. Live for eternity. I'm going to quote it. First Corinthians chapter three, the day will come when every, every, what's the word every mean? Every person's work will be tested, whether they built out of wood, hay and stubble, junk, gold, silver, precious stones, precious stones. You're either going to build your life out of gold or garbage. And the fire will test each man's work of what quality it is. 
Dear ones, listen to me. I'm going to laugh. I'm going fishing. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to eat at the... I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A if they'll straighten back out again. I'm going to listen to country music. I'm going to dance with mama when she feels like it. I'm going to enjoy this life, but that's not what I live for. I live for what God is doing in this earth for all of eternity. And whether it's for three children or 3,000 or the entire, that's none of my business. I want to live for what Jesus is doing in eternity. The Bible said the saddest day on earth, according to prophecy, will be. I'm going to quit by quoting this. See if you get this prophecy right here. Jesus said this, in that last day, the first will be last and the last will be first. What do you mean by that? The first will be last and the last will be first. What do you mean by that? Everybody that we're so impressed with and what they're doing now will be at the tail of the line. The little farmer's wife who loved God as best she could and honored him and raised her three children to love God, she will be moved to the front of the line when Jesus gets back. The big shots will be at the tail end. Those who loved him will be moved to the front of the line. You ever, had a, you ever heard of a come from behind victory? I mean, the score is about 54 to zero right now if you look at the newsprint. But guess what? I have read prophecy. They're going to be a come from behind victory at the last minute. I mean, it's going to look, it's going to look, like, the, it's going to look like the Panthers were actually going to win. Listen to people who walk with God. Y'all know what a boot black is? Not a black boot, a boot black. Does anybody know what a boot black is? Us old people do. It used to be called the shoe, boot black or they were shoe shine boys. And they worked in where? Barbershops. Some of you got some old people here tonight. I used to work, you'd go to the barbershop. I went when I was a kid, they'd give you a dollar. You go down there and you got a haircut. Do you think you sat down and told him how to cut your hair? A little off the side. You didn't do that. You just sat down, he cut it. You got whatever he's giving anybody that day and then you give him a dollar. There was a man in the corner, he had a box and on it was a chair and you could put your feet up, your shoes up there and he'd shine your shoes for 50 cents. That's called a boot black or a shoe shine fella. One of the great ministers of this nation <clears throat> went into the hair, get his hair cut one day and the shoe shine man was sitting there, an older black man, he was sitting there reading the Bible. And he said, I, this has been years ago. And he said, I was surprised the man was able to read. And I, and I noticed, I looked, I just sat over at the edge and he was reading the book of Revelation. And he said, I just got my curiosity up. Now, you know, there's a well-educated minister with an earned doctorate. Here's a shoeshine man reading the book of Revelation. He said, I just said to him, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He said, yes, sir, I sure do. And he said, Mr. He said, some of the great scholars of this day and theologians can't agree on what the book of Revelation is. And you think you understand it? He said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, well, what's the point of the whole thing? And he just smiled at him and he said, Jesus wins. <laughs> I've had people say, let's do a study of the book of Revelation. We just did. <laughs> Jesus wins. In case you're wondering about what's going on in the earth, read the last chapter of the book. Make sure you're on the right team. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. I, I'm just amazed that the creator of this universe would write a book, hide it from the wise and prudent in their own eyes, let truck drivers and humble people open it by the spirit and you show us what's going on in the earth. I praise you that the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy according to your word. 
I just praise you and thank you. Thank you. This shows us the heart of God that when, when humanity screwed this earth up like we did and, and caused it to become like it is, you never gave up. You just wouldn't quit. Thank you that years ago, nobody saw it. Nobody knew what was going on. But in a barn in a little tiny town, a cry went out. And that night, the course of world history was changed. And you sent your son in this earth, not just to teach us how to be nice to each other, but to rewrite world history and to build a kingdom that'll last for all of eternity. And Father, we're, we're right now in that dual kingdom. I'm having the time of my life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of God and the word of God that let us live wonderfully in this life. But I praise you and thank you that because there was a Christmas, because Jesus came one time, he's coming back a second time. Thank you that your son's coming back to this earth and that little stone cut out without hands will crush every kingdom and will fill the earth and rule forever. I can't wait to see what it's like. I've tried to imagine what you meant when you said the presence of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and they can't hurt in all my holy mountain. Well, praise God, I love your presence. I love your voice, but I long for the day when your presence covers the earth like that. I pray for every person in this room that they will not waste their lives trying to decide whose team should I be on. They would run to Jesus and know you invest your life in anything except Christ, there's a waterfall ahead. And Father, those of us that love you, we're not going to spend our lives watching the news and trying to prop something up that's ultimately doomed to fail. We want to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let us be a part of what you're doing in the earth, whether it's to help a few children, whether it's to prepare, serve, teach, show us what God is doing in the earth today. I want to be a part of something that's going to last for 10,000 years and more. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth. Thank you that you would invite common people to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. We give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for your word that's life to us. I pray for every person in this room. Nobody is able to go to sleep tonight until they settle this issue. Oh, do they belong to Jesus or do they not? Lest Jesus come back and catch them not prepared. I want to praise you and thank you that the door is open for all of eternity for anybody. And we give you the praise and glory for that. We love you with all of our hearts because you've loved us with all of yours. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.